Uh, we got water all settled, everything all set. And bro, thanks for being early, man. Unlike a lot of comics I've had. I'm uh, absolutely time anxious. <laughs> Good, dude. Work. Dude, it's better than being not time anxious. If I'm being that. honest, I walk around the block. Hey, dude. All good. Alright, we'll get a solo Ted Jones intro because next Thursday we have the Ted Jones Comedy Show, March 16th, 8 p.m., 145 Bowery at the Moxie Hotel, Lower East Side. And as you guys are listening to this, I'm actually in Miami right now visiting my dad. I'm coming home tomorrow, tomorrow being Tuesday. But uh, right now you're getting a look at me. I am not as tan as hopefully I will be when I get back. But, um, you know, uh, we'll just have to pray for sun down there in Miami. It's also like, there's like a lot of pressure when you go to a destination type spot when you're like, oh, I need to get out of the cold weather. I need to go down to somewhere warm. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm staying there four nights and hopefully like every day I'll get some sort of sun. We'll see. I'm also seeing my grandma. Shout out grandma. The first night that I'm down there, Thursday night, grandma, big fan of the Ted Jones World Podcast. What's up, dude? I'm just, I'm running through a quick ad uh, for the pod, but Papa Squat, dude, thanks for coming. Having me. Yeah, dude. So uh, we got right into it, and um, Ari actually early, which um, if there are any comedians listening, take note, okay? It doesn't hurt to show up 10 to 5 minutes early, something like that. Better than 30 minutes late. Ari, what's up, dude? What's the average amount of people that show up late? Like 90? And what's the amount of time they're usually late? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've thought about this before. Um, I'd say 90% of people are 5 minutes late, at least. Mm Mm-hmm. 65 to 70 people are 10 minutes late and then bro like i'd say like 45 to 50 percent are sometimes 15 minutes late and you know i get it if people are coming from you know like a subway and shit yeah. like that but like i feel like over 10 minutes is a people little, a little don't much. trust anyone who says they're late because of the subways in new york it's like the listen this you is a what? hot you, take bro you telling me that you walked around the block just like it made me feel good that there's still hope for comedians in the world to show up a little bit early and also bro you have like a gig so yeah. I feel like you, you said you're time anxious. Very. How did you get My that My whole way? life. Really? I had Judaism, I think, is the... Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat brother. Shalom. Uh, I've always been like this. I figured, you know okay. I did know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could tell by your face. Bro, and you're free, you have tennis socks on here on the yeah. right foot? Guys, zo- can you zoom in on that, Ted Jones, quickly? Yeah. yeah. Bro, and I, so I played tennis at UConn, grew up playing tennis fully, so we I'm, should I play. appreciate that. We should play. You grew up in Jersey, correct? Yeah. Where in Jersey? Bergen County. Okay, so I uh, spent the first six weeks of my life in Princeton. I was born in New Brunswick. Six weeks. And then I Who moved to Manhattan. Who calculates the first six Well, you know what? I mean, I want to give a little spunk to my yeah. character. You know, the kid's born in Jersey. So you go to Hoagie Haven bad. when you were six weeks old? Yeah, you had to bite a Hoagie Haven. At least yeah. I know what a Hoagie is. You know, like people from New York don't appreciate the Wawa Hoagies, right? The, the Long Beach Island yeah. type Hoagies. So you play tennis at UConn. Yeah. I almost went to UConn, and then I went to UConn, and I was like, this place fucking sucks. Interesting. There's nothing around stores. Oh, there's nothing to do. I mean, like, it's a, nothing. a lot of it had to do with the basketball teams being so good and the notoriety <laughs> of the Division One team. Like, yeah. I could have played top-level type of D3, but my grades weren't really that great. Yeah. I wanted to get out of the city, but I would have gone to Miami if I could have played right away. University Miami or Miami? Mi- okay. Uh, yeah, Miami of Ohio. Imagine. I mean, they do have a good, decent I tennis know, yeah, program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's funny how, like, that would even be 
misconstru- misconstrued to other people like oh yeah i'm going to miami and people right. actually mean miami of Ohio, whole thing. the hell okay, i so, went to i went to indiana yeah, and there's about, also oh, an indiana university of, of pennsylvania, pennsylvania. no that's indiana university purdue university it's this weird fucking split university of two, it's so fucking random, it should be illegal dude. yeah colleges with the same name they need to figure it out there yeah. should be trademarks on college names i tried out for the club team at iu and oh, i bet they were pretty good man they were really good yeah. i mean they're the club teams at those like top big 10 schools are like better than like most d2 programs Meh. and i got like one day into the tryouts and then was also like pledging a fraternity. I was just like, I just want to drink and yeah, try to lose to my virginity. One. So uh, I had heard that kids who went to Indiana, kids who were around um, my age or whatever, they were when they were going on their recruiting trips, Yeah, it was known that the coach would tell them, like, this is what you have to do to even think about playing in the starting lineup. It was one, you had to run a mile in under five minutes and 30 seconds. <sighs> I never you had, to, you had to maintain a GPA, which I think is pretty standard, but there were just so many fitness hurdles that you needed to do yeah. in order to start playing. Um, but I did look at Indiana for a second, but they just had a they had a pretty top-tier program. Yeah, so I mean, their women's really. team, too, is, I think, even better than their men's team. Yeah. Do you think we'd start talking college tennis on this? No, um, dude. I didn't know. And, like, who knew? Who knew? Like, you know, people take off their shoes here, and I rarely have a comment to make after that. But yeah. there you go. Dude. Tennis socks. Right, By so, far the best socks. They yeah. hold up the, the longest. I bet. So when did you get these? Though? I <laughs> got them uh, 22 years so ago. No, they. <laughs> I got them like... Because they look like Federer-type socks. I get... Well, not anymore, because he dropped Nike. But I... Go. I get new tennis socks like every like spring. You go to the U.S. Open every year? every year since I'm three years old. You see your boy with the freaking players passes over yeah, there, dude. It's great. I sometimes I have Hell I have yeah. a reoc- do you have any reoccurring dreams like real dreams? Yeah, weird. You asked me that because like it was my ex girlfriend's uh, birthday yesterday, and we're tight. Like she's the same age as me, and I messaged her. And she didn't get back to me till this morning. You know, like, you know, people get a lot of messages, whatever. I didn't mm-hmm. take it personally at all. But I slept from like 7 a.m. this morning to 8 a.m. Like I had woken up at 7 a.m. for a moment. And I just had like a very vivid dream about her. Yeah. I most I, this is actual like a medical thing. Like you're you dream the most like right before you're about to wake up. And I have a reoccurring dream of me playing in the U.S. Open. Let's go. And like living out. If you've I've ever seen, if you ever seen, you've seen the movie Wimbledon, right? Yeah, dude. It's so, it pisses me off, by the way, just before you go on, whatever you say, it pisses me off when they uh, cast people who cannot play tennis. It's so, dude, it, it's such a weird niche thing to be pissed off about. <laughs> yeah, because like everybody can play every other sport, kind of. There is one uh, actor who's really good out. at tennis, and they there's a movie, I don't remember, it's two brothers, and they play doubles, and um, it's the guy who was in New Girl and About a Boy, the guy who plays Sam in New Girl. I don't know his name, but he's a phenomenal tennis player. About but a Boy, it, one of my favorite movies. It makes me so fucking mad. Yeah, dude. When they cast someone who played tennis, it's like, you could find... And he, like tennis, like you need to be, a, if you're in a tennis movie or TV show, you need to be a better tennis player than you are an actor. And they don't care about the tennis part at all. They're like, nobody will pay attention. Remember Shia LaBeouf playing John McEnroe? Yeah. It was bad. He I couldn't even, I, I, like, watch it. I, I noticed it. I was like, dude's playing with like a, a, a volley grip. Yeah, trying the only to hit thing his he had right forehand. was the serve, right? You just stand like this and then everything else yeah, is just But you like, watch any, the hands are the indicator by far. It's like these people are holding like Western grips to, to volley at the net. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, dude. They need a bizarre. tennis coordinator on set. Yeah, or at least use extras. 
Yeah. You know, like, like they can do that a little bit. Because basketball, you can kind of get away with it. Like Chad Michael Murray was a terrible basketball player in One Tree Hill. I don't know if you saw this clip that came up, bro. I, I, did, I never watched I that did. show. <laughs> it was, it was the crowd, the the um, what was the high school gym was filled with like 5,000 people. Yeah. He pulls up for a mid-range jumper. Yeah. Air balls. It it's and he's embarrassing. Like, <laughs> I, I think like I don't think in the in the last like 20 years that there's been a sports movie that has like paid real homage to like athletes well like if you look at like um major league like Charlie Sheen looks like he can throw a fucking fastball. Yep. Kevin Costner in any baseball movie looks like he knows how to play baseball. They cast these fucking young hot guys now who have no clue how to play sports. I think it kind of started with the maybe the Zac Efron in High School Musical. People yeah. saw like, oh, you can you can have a heartthrob. He doesn't need to be great at basketball, yeah. but we can cause all this commotion around it. And then this from is, that point, it seems like they, oh, we can we can cast a list uh, actors. They don't need to know how to play the sport. Yeah, that's why if you're making a tennis a tennis movie, me and Ted want to be in the movie. I think absolutely, bro. Yeah. Did you play tournaments in New Jersey? Yeah, USDA. Yeah. Nice. I dude. was here's my issue with tennis. I was uh a tennis prodigy up until I was about nine years old. And then I never got better. That's honestly no joke, by the way. Because if you pay if you play tennis from the ages of like six to nine, that's a huge group of professionals will go on to make it when you start at six I, years old. I started playing at three. Like Damn. I was and I was like obsessed with it and I was really good. And then I got to like nine, 10, 11, and I just like was not getting better because I wasn't growing. So I didn't grow. I didn't go through puberty until I was like 20. So I was so small. I just didn't have the power that I needed. Yeah, so and I just clips, never. People were making fun of you and shit. In tennis? No, I think just because you didn't. Hit oh, I was going to say, do you have like high school tape on me that you're watching? <laughs> I'd love to see it. Um, yeah, it's it's just like I never got better. And then I was always good. Like I played through high school. I tried out for college. Like I was really good. But your, were your parents kind of, did they start you on that? Starting my, that young? my dad, yeah. My dad was a big tennis guy. What was his background? Uh, he's a college, he was a college basketball coach. So oh, wow. sports were like really big in what my college? Family. Felician College. It's a D2 school in New Jersey that specializes in nursing. Really great school. How, uh, how many years did he coach there for? To 10. So he, he was, wanted his son to be a competitive athlete? Why didn't you play basketball? Well, I didn't grow. I was fucking 5'3 until my senior year of high school. Bro, that's like Andy Roddick. Yeah. Well, not senior year of high school, but he had the growth spurt apparently from like, what, 5'3 to 6'2. Well, I have a very him. hot take on Andy Roddick. He took some hormones. Let's hear does. it. I, dude, I think he still has the most swag of anyone who okay. has played tennis. Like, Here's, bro, I, will wa I watched him. Sorry, just before we get into it. I watched him in 2009, like Leg Mason Classic, just warming up the other day on yeah. YouTube. I love watching Here's him. my Here's why I think Andy Roddick was good and not great. And this is a, a take I promise you you've never heard before okay a lot of the best tennis players you look at Federer Agassi Sampras Djokovic Nadal halfway through a match they'll change their shirt halfway through a match you sweat a shitload in these matches sometimes they're five hours long the, when you sweat in these moisture wicking shirts the sweat just stays on the shirt yeah, they get he heavy as change. shit Andy Roddick never fucking changed so those shirts by like the second or third set, they're three, four, five pounds of sweat. He's dragging that shit around. That's why he was good and not great. Is there a, Hot partic take. Is there a particular match that you're referring to? Where I mean, the Wimbledon match that out. went like five sets that he like, should have won. I think won. it might have been 2009 yeah. against Fed. Yeah. He didn't change his shirt the entire match. Yeah. 
we fact check that, Ari? You sure? Do you think that I have fact checked this at all? <laughs> like, do you think that this is like, I, I mean, this is probably based on like five big Grand Slam matches and not like a, his whole career. I have right. no idea. No, but when you watch him practicing, like, bro, he's always in the gray covered shirt. Covered Always covered. Yeah. Yeah. And nowadays, people aren't breaking strings. People are wearing way more kind of dry fit Nike tech or whatever. You notice that people don't break strings anymore. Like they did. Well, back in I, they're just cause they're people are stringing their rackets like way looser. And now. they're also switching rackets. Like every time the balls switch, it's I like think baseball. Kind of like that. when they're, I think they're, I think their tennis eventually is going to go to what baseball did where, um, you can't change bait. Like pitchers will just change a baseball when they don't like the feel of it. That's what people are doing. Like, especially with tennis balls and tennis rackets. Like as soon as you hit a bad shot, every tennis player, it's a racket issue. It's not like, so a, how, what do you, what do you think that change? they're going to prevent the amount of rackets that you can use in a game? Really? Yeah. I don't see why they would do that though. Well, I mean, again, I've not fact, don't fact check yeah, this yeah, at I'm all. Not. This is my hot take. On no, tennis. but I think, I think that if they were going to change anything in the sport of tennis, they got to make the men's matches a little bit shorter in grand yeah. slams. Like we should be playing a 10 point super tiebreaker in the fifth set. Okay. Yeah. If women are getting paid the same amount of money, not saying they should or should not, because they are sharing the, the play and the revenue split of a U.S. open Wimbledon, French open, Australian open, but the men should not be on court twice as long as the women in this situation it's and, and it's it, also tough for a crowd member to watch a tennis match for five hours dude that's why when i go to the u.s open i never go to the night sessions because you can go to like fucking 4 a.m i was gonna ask if, if you like night sessions or day sessions but sometimes it's just too damn hot to be out there standing around right well know, if i at 17 for i'll three go hours. i'll go if i have like tickets to like a major to like ash or something i'll go for the night session but if i only have day pass if i only have floor uh, uh general grounds tickets i'll go during the day because i just don't want to be stuck like walking around or pretend you could be there till like four o'clock in the morning it's the like night matches yeah yeah but and that's also what has to do with the men taking four hours in some of those early round matches yeah it's bad Baseball moving a little bit faster, as you said, you know, switching kind of how they are, I guess. Pitch clock. Yeah. Compensating towards the viewers. So that's interesting. Did you see that there was like a, there was the bases were loaded. Yeah. And they won the game. Yeah. Won the game on a walk. Every, like every uh, sport, there's some massive rule change that people are like, it's ruining the integrity of the game. And then five years later, Nobody fucking thinks about it. We'll see what happens in basketball and like load management. Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen with that. Well, like, I mean, you looked at it when the shot clock came in and they went to instant replay and you can review every touch. It's like the games have to evolve. Like, otherwise you're going to have guys dying while wearing leather fucking helmets. (laughs) But do they need to get shorter? All of these sports, theoretically, the seasons or the individual games. I think the season should all get shorter. It would make way for like soccer to be more prevalent, other leagues, lower leagues to be like bigger for the seasons to get shorter. But yeah, the there doesn't like, need to be 162 baseball games. It's an insane amount. That's of games. for sure. And I'm I don't sure wanna, the guys who even play it, they're like, what are we doing out no, here for nine it's months? It's crazy. I mean, even like an 18 game NFL season is so fucking long. That's why I love what I love about tennis and golf is like you can check in check out like if you want to be just watch the majors and the grand slams like you're you're 
a, a, a fan. But then if you want to get into the weeds, you watch fucking like Indian Wells and shit like yeah, that. Like, Channel Plus or something. Yeah, it's great. But you don't have to do that. Whereas like if you watch three weeks of an NFL season, you have no clue what's happening. That's what I like about those individual player sports. How do you feel about Live Golf? For those of you who don't know, Saudi Arabia is starting their own golf league. And who's to say that they won't start their own baseball league, basketball league, and tennis league? Uh, I don't think... It's tough to form... Tennis, maybe. It's tough to form a... Get team sport. Team sport. Totally. I... Because there's already so much money and the, you know, the owners are worth five bill in NBA. So right. So they have some say on that. I have no problem with new sports new leagues arising. I do have a problem with Saudi Arabia being the backer of the league. I, that I do have a problem with given their track <laughs> history in the world. Um, but like in terms of starting a new league, yeah, fucking of course. Cause all it does is like it pushes the big four leagues to update and want to like cater. They, it ends up lowering ticket prices. It ends up shortening games, lowering concessions. Like it makes it more attainable. Right. But in the situation that we have in the world, it seems like Saudi Arabia is the only real league that will come to fruition and start taking players that really just want the bag. I don't know. Look at what, I don't know who knows what the XFL is going to do. Like, Dwayne Johnson is they don't really uh, have a they force. Don't have, yeah, but how much money do they have behind they that? A ton of, like, I mean, he's got uh, $500 million. Like, he's insanely rich. Yeah, but he doesn't have a trill, dude. These guys in Saudi Arabia just got that oil money. It's not even money when you have that much money. True. You know, it's just like, you It's like you deal in, like, human beings. Like, it's nuts. Did you watch, um, what, Full Swing on Netflix, the golf documentary? I, have, I, I watched Breakpoint. It's the same yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. Same, kind of, same kind of format. But they talk about uh, they talk about the legacy of these guys who are going over to live golf. This guy, Ian Poulter, who's always been a kind of character in the golf game. He uh -huh. wears those checkered pants. And they're talking about, well, you're going to be remembered by, you know, your legacy here and not your actual golf titles and stuff. Because apparently he won't be able to play the FedEx Cup, Rogers Cup, or however they call that in uh, golf and play for his country. I mean, let the guy get some money. Yeah, dude. Know. It's also like when you're, the guy's probably 50 years old, they're offering him probably a hundred mil. For the he's next also never going to be like a top. He's not going to be like Rory McIlroy. Well, what about Dustin a guy Johnson like Phil or, Nicholson though? He's in and the Dustin decline Johnson's, of his career. And Dustin Johnson's going to live. live too. Yeah. But I'm saying like when you're that big, you can do whatever you want when you're, so it's either like the number one person can do it. Two, three, four, five, six can't do it they're gonna stay in pga and then everyone on the bottom are like who the fuck cares i'm, I'm if i'm uh uh jeff jeff uh jeff obendorf no jeff there's some golfer uh who went to india i don't remember his name um if you're like the 700th golfer in the world and you go to live and they'll give you a hundred million dollars fucking go who like you're not gonna do well, anything what about you mentioned the number one player what about a, t a tiger woods there's no chance like the U.S. Well, government the will one. fucking yeah. like, not allow it. Yeah, right. There's no, he's they too. 700 mil. They like, I, he has to, like, there has to have been some sort of other arrangement to turn down the $700 million. Like there has to be like, he gets points in the entire PGA or something. Right, bro. I and bet people that just was don't behind know this. Granted, I want to be very clear. I'm not fact checked any of this information. That's how I live my life. Right. I mean, that's what the podcast is all about. You make right? bold statements. Goddamn and, shit. Yeah. And then maybe edit it in post production, but probably nah, not. Nah. Probably not. Man. If you want to put like disclaimers over all of my statements no, you just that did. are wrong, you just did. Yeah, that's fine. You just did. All right, dude. So let's talk about you growing up in New York, coming to, excuse me, growing Jersey. up in Jersey mm -hmm. and then coming to New York, 
traveling and where you've been since you sat on this couch, bro. Yeah. Um, wh- like your bathroom? Where have I been no, no, no. before sat, I sat, sat on, on the, the couch. couch? Yeah, there you go. Got it. <laughs> I haven't moved. Um, <laughs> I, I grew up in Jersey. I went to school in Indiana. And then I uh, moved to Pittsburgh after college and started comedy in Pittsburgh. I had two job offers out of college. One was working for Fox News in New York City making $29,000, which, you know, comedians, we live off of nothing, but $29,000 to live off in New York is like ostensibly dirt poor. You can't live. And then I I got a job at uh, Dick Sporting Goods working at their corporate office in Pittsburgh making like $45,000, which is like, that's like $7 million in New York. (laughs) Like my rent in Pittsburgh up until when I moved here in 2012 was $300 a month. I could have like one bedroom, one bath. I lived in a four bedroom house with four, with four, three other guys. Craigslist. No, 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 no. Just friends from college and people at work. People. Okay. So I had friends from college who went to Pittsburgh too. Yeah. We all took jobs at, this company, Dicks. Dicks, okay. Yeah. And I, I was working there for a while, and my whole life I had wanted to be a comic, but, like, it felt like a, saying you wanted to be, like, an astronaut. You're like, how do you fucking do this at all? Bro, it's so funny. Every comedian says that when yeah. they come on the couch. They're like, they're, what do you do? You just, like, in my, in my mind, like, I was obsessed with that, still obsessed with Adam Sandler, but it's obsessed like when I was a kid. And like, in my mind, it was like, you just walk in the mall and someone is like, that kid looks funny. Let's put him in a movie, you know? And so I was like, I always wanted to do it. And then I am, I think there are these generations of comics where you have like an inciting incident and then you want to become a comic. So for me, funny people came out in like 2009 and I was like, I love this movie. I resonate with this character, Seth Rogen's character. I'm finally going to do it. And I wrote for like six months, wrote jokes, and then like finally did my op- first open mic in like February 2010. In Pittsburgh? So, in Pittsburgh. And, and the it, open mics there are like hot, right? It was like, what was that, 100 then, people? Then it was not, it was a bringer uh, at the improv in Pittsburgh. There was probably a, a, like 100, 150 people. And it was great, but the night after I did it, I, I didn't sleep the entire night. I was like so like my brain chemistry changed. Like it was a it was it went good, but it like not looking back on it now it was terrible. Not the night of though. Night after. I was like so like the, my the second I got a laugh, I was like my this is my new life. I everything has changed. So when you grow when you start because you started here, right? Yeah. Yeah. When you start in like a small market, you see very quickly quickly that there's like a ceiling that you can't do anything. You can either like be the guy in Columbus, Ohio, or you'll, there's nothing else for you. And I got to a point where I was like, I I need to get on stage more. I'm not going to really like be the guy in Pittsburgh. Cause I never really felt attached to Pittsburgh. I'm like a loud, obnoxious, outgoing Jew and everyone. Pittsburgh is this weird city where it's like a city in the South in the Midwest. It's very confusing. And I was like, I got to move. And I was also like really addicted to Vicodin. And I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And I moved back home to New York. How old were you at that particular time? When I moved? Sure. Um, and, and addicted to Vicodin. 86, I was born. I moved in 2012. So, I don't know, 20, 26, 27, something like that. Did you have an injury that got you the Vicodin? I tore my shoulder running a marathon. Yeah. 
Bro, I had a torn labrum from I don't even know what. But the yeah, worst. Something like that. It, I still you have can't a sleep. I tore both of them. It's the uh, worst. It's the worst injury because like you tear your ACL, you tear, you break your fucking ankle when you're sitting on the couch or laying in bed. There's no pain. When you tear your labrum, there's you have you cannot get comfortable. You cannot sleep. You can't sleep in a fucking bed. You got to be propped up. I slept in a recliner for like a year. It was so bad, and I like was just abusing Vicodin horribly. Was it because of the pain or addiction? What was the breakdown? You ever taken Vicodin? Yeah, bro. I hated it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> it's either like I like I it can fucked out my stomach during yeah. the surgery. Like I would press the thing during the surgery. I had jaw surgery. Like yeah. pretty invasive. And I have a gold a gold plate. Yeah, I got a gold plate in my mouth yeah, now. Dude. Who gets grills you can't even see? Yeah, literally titanium plate. And like I would just press that thing uh-huh. in the middle of the night when I was like trying to recover for, from it in the hospital and I'd just be throwing up. Yeah. It was like fucked up my stomach. Thanks you, God. Well, I have a pretty addictive personality. I, as do I. And I was like, I was taking so much Vicodin and I oh, had- Sorry, it was for the pain or- It started for the pain and then I two was- Two pills later- well, I was just like, I don't have any pain anymore, but I just like love this. This is great. And I was very high function. I was like the doctor house of like dick sporting goods. Like I was oh, like he's taking a big uh, drug guy. Dr. The house. whole constant doctor house. He takes Vicodin all the time. And he's like a, you know, savant for medicine. So I was like taking so much Vicodin. And then I like would have these horrible nightmares, Hor- wake up like pools of sweat as if I had like jumped in a pool, like just terrible. And I had this like thought where I was like, cause what Vicodin does to you is it doesn't actually stop pain. It stops you from giving a shit about the pain. Like the, it's not like an anti-inflammatory where it makes the swelling go away and the pain. It just, you go, I don't care about the pain anymore. And then over time when you abuse it, it's like, I don't, not only do I not care about the pain anymore, I don't care about anything anymore. And I had this thought where I was like, I could just fucking jump off a bridge and everything would be fine. And I was like, okay, I gotta stop. And I flush them all down the toilet. How the, long were you into it before that? 18 months. And you still had the tear or what? Like no, it, it was past. Or? I was like eight months past surgery. How are you getting it though? It's like I said, it's Pittsburgh. You can get like, I had a friend who was just like, had a Vicodin prescription and would just give me all of his Vicodin. Did that like make you get fat or how did that work? Is it like prednisone or puffs you up? No, I mean, I was pretty puffy. I, I, I borderline puff a lot, drugs or no drugs. Um, <laughs> but I, um, it fucked up my stomach eventually. When I finally got off, three months later, I had like nine ulcers in my stomach because it just like burns holes through it. And then when you quit cold turkey, it just tears you up. What was the moment where you were like, yo, I need to stop? I woke up, I, I woke up from like a dream, a horrible nightmare where I was like an FBI. I have very vivid dreams when I remember them. And I was like an FBI agent and I was like, got killed in the dream. And then I was like, I, I don't give a shit if I like get to tomorrow. Like I, and I've, I've struggled over my whole life with like never like uh, attempted suicide, but suicidal ideations and that kind of stuff. They went away for a long time. They came back and I was like, okay, I need to stop. I flushed all the pills down the toilet. The m- morning of the Super Bowl bowl that the Packers won, which was, I think like February, 2012 and haven't had a Vicodin since. And it was like quitting Vicodin cold Turkey is fucking tough. And it was like shitting, vomiting for like two days. Didn't want to get out of bed. And then I haven't had one since. Did you have the feeling though, that you wanted to have another Vicodin or was it just, you felt like every day now I still think about it. I think about 
It's because it, the the point of the drug is not to get rid of pain. It's to make you to stop caring. So anytime that I'm going through something bad or struggling, I'm like, yeah, Vicodin would make this so much fucking easier. A hundred percent. And what you do, like you say you have a, an addictive personality. I don't know if you've struggled actually with addiction, but it's like what they tell you or what I was taught was like just to push the addiction onto uh, more mild and mild things. So Vicodin became uh, energy soda. I was like fucking inhaling rock stars. Rock stars became Diet Cokes. Diet Cokes became seltzers. And I'm still on seltzer. I fucking love seltzer. It's great. Addicted, addicted, addicted. Um, I had a moment or probably around moment, I'll say probably like six to nine months of my life where I had a pretty big ketamine phase. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a, an intense addiction. I don't know if it's an addiction, but like a lot of ketamine is a lot. It's hard. It's a hard drug. Freaking your bladder. was like peeing all the time. Um, yeah. It, it got to the point, bro, where sometimes I was doing it. And I was like, my nose was fucking clogged up. Cause like I, couldn't do it anymore how do you even take you snort ketamine? i did before you know this liquid iv ptsd drip came out and now it's all trendy um putting but, it directly into your veins yeah that's what they do now it's really? like ptsd uh Man. they have they have ketamine like retreats and they have well, places that, in new york where you can I, get the drip my my psychiatrist was like uh talking about potentially doing ketamine therapy and i was like not with you yeah it changed my brain chemistry while i was on it in a negative way but like i I had a i had like an epiphany realization where i was just like oh this is kind of because you see you kind of see vibrations Mm -hmm. which is an interesting thing uh you like see how birds move and like they'll everything kind of communicates with your wave let's be clear i can see how birds move not their vibration Got it. I was like, I can see birds <laughs> yeah, yeah, flapping yeah. Well, their I mean, wings. But I mean, just like the, you, if they fly by, you yeah, kind you of can see, see like a trail, like a jet stream. Yeah, dude. So it was like, it, yeah. it, it gets you thinking outside of your head, it loses your ego, but you yeah. also like are in touch with your person. You yeah. know, you kind of, you realize that what am I doing here if I'm not doing what I really want to do? And I think that was like, kind of, that was when I switched from like real estate, working in my dad's company to doing comedy full time. Yeah. It's a very, uh, when you like take control over, uh, what you want to do, it's a very powerful drug and it can replace like actual drugs when you're like, Oh, I'm, uh, doing the thing that I want to do and you can get addicted to that thing. It's pretty strong. Well said. Thank you. And that's the end of the podcast. Let's take it to commercial. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I moved, I moved 2012 and I took another, uh, sporting goods job in new york i was like another models models yeah and i was the tennis buyer for models and it was great i went to which one the one in chelsea the one that no all of models oh okay so it's a corporate all corporate office office, all 150 stores and i was like the tennis buyer and it was fucking great i was like i was buying tennis and then i when i started to like do stand up more in new york i was just like i it's really hard and I'm I'm assuming just the vibe you give is I, I think you maybe struck or have had this thought as well. It's like I was really good at what I did and I hated it. And it's a very confusing thing when people are like, you're so good at this. And this sounds narcissistic. It's not meant. I was a very good uh, buyer at this company. And it's like, I fucking hate it. I don't care that I'm was good. Like I a don't sales position kind of. It's yeah, it's like the opposite of sales. You buy all the shit that's in the store. So, um, 
that wasn't meant to sound like no, 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 no. But you it, fucking idiot. But I think it was it was a similar kind of question yeah, it's a that similar they were thing. thinking. Yeah. yeah, I just like didn't care about it, and I was like really good, and it it just was so stressful. And once you get like, for me, once I like started to really do stand up, I just like I was like, okay, now this job is going to be the means to the end. I'm gonna work as hard as I can, stack as much money as I can while doing as much stand up as I can, and then when I get to a point stand up wise where I'm like, I physically can't get up every day at seven o'clock to go to work, then I'm gonna quit. I didn't never got to that because I had like a full meltdown because I stopped doing tennis. I started doing all of the team shit. And when you work in that job doing teams, like anytime a team wins, you start working. Like I'd go to the Super Bowl and be like, on a flight, working, getting shit oh, in the damn, store people, when the Eagles. I don't, think people, I don't think people remember kind of how big Models was, too, it was huge. you know, before it went bankrupt. It was huge. I mean, it was the, if you wanted like, like uh, Yankees. and Models, right? Kind of? Uh, it was like Sports Authority and, okay. and Dicks. And then, but like the East Coast, it was Models like in the huge in the 90s. And so I had like a full breakdown when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2018. I went into my boss's office fucking crying and i was like i fucking quit i can't do this anymore i'm done and my boss and i like still to this day we have a good relationship because i still he weirdly lives in my parents building it's a weird coincidence and he was like don't quit like you're good at this and i was like i know i'm good at this but i fucking hate it like i don't want to do this anymore and it's really confusing because like you would think like when you're good at something that also aligns with the thing that you want to do and it doesn't usually like a lot of like uh like people who like work at their parents' companies and stuff like that. Like, you're good, but you're like, do I really want to necessarily do this? And I, he was like, don't quit. And I was like, fine, I won't quit. But I, I don't want to work full-time anymore. I want to work part-time. He's like, what are you talking about? You can't just like switch from full-time to part-time. And I was like, if I can't work part-time, I'm quitting. That is the only re- the way I'll stay. How much money were you making at that time? When I was working full-time? Yeah, when, when you went into his office. $150,000. Whoa. And then was he trying to like give you a raise when you were like, I'm out of here. I'm so part time. he goes, he goes, I was making 150,000. He goes, what if I give you a $20,000 raise? I go, dude, it's not about the fucking money. I don't want to do this. Like, and I know this sounds psychotic turning down that kind of money, but I was so miserable. So I go, I'll work part time. And he goes, I can't pay you that kind of money to work part time. I go cut my salary in half. I don't give a shit. And he was like, okay, well that's a conversation. And I was like, okay. And then he went to his boss and I worked out a deal to work half time for half hour. How long was half time? Like hours per week? Three days a week. So I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So this is like remote before people were fucking doing this it was, yeah, it didn't like, it, it especially did didn't exist, exist in Modell. Definitely. <laughs> and it didn't exist in general. I was just working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I was writing or I was on the road featuring like any, that kind of shit. And then, um, that happened until, 20 February 2019 no February 2020 the a month before a month before the pandemic thing, yeah. my boss this guy comes to me and he goes hey nobody knows yet but models is going to go bankrupt and i'm letting you go before that happens so you can like figure your shit out and at that time i had a 6 month old and uh bro how how old are you at that time how old are you? uh i'm 36 now 2019 so i was uh 32 uh 31 and i had a six month old i was fucking freaking out 
I, that night I went and I did a spot at New York comedy club and I had like a full met, like really funny, but a full meltdown on stage. And the booker of that show, uh, is a woman named Fawn Sullivan, who is now my manager. And she was just like, I'm so sorry you got fired. What are you going to do? And I was like, I don't fucking know. And I was freaking out. I go, that was a Tuesday. Thursday, I fly to Wisconsin to do a show before a wedding in Wisconsin. I'm on the plane to fly and I get a text from my friend, Nikki Glazer, who's like, Hey, can you talk? I was like, yeah, she calls me as like the, the plane is like going and the stewards is like, hang up the phone. I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> and Nikki's like, Hey, I just got a late night show picked up. Like, do you want to write for it? And I was like, fucking hysterically crying. Oh my, like the, the, the kismet of that is like, I just got fired on Tuesday on Thursday, I get a call for my fucking dream job. That was like my first writing job. And I'm like, yes, whatever you want. And I was like, I was supposed to come home like three days after I had to come home early to start the the gig. We start on Monday, Monday, February 18th, 2020. We write for a month. We tape the first episode. The fucking world shuts down <laughs> and I lose my fucking job. Did you fucking break down? Also Dude, after I had a, I had a f- another meltdown and finally got diagnosed as bipolar after like figuring all this shit out, realizing all my anger and depression and anxiety was not just like Judaism. It was like a fucking clinical problem, but just like the, there's nothing more textbook like comedy stories of like i i waited all my life for this fucking opportunity and then this once in a generation fucking pandemic it gets all taken away and it ended up being fine like nikki and i still have a great relationship and um i've landed on my feet but it fucking sucked at the beginning of the pandemic because we just did nothing but it ended up being like the precipice to get me to do a bunch of other shit i was like you know i started you started comedy one I don't know if I could put a number on it. We'll but say like four, 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 four years, years ago. Okay, sure. cool. So you're you started in the era of like, I you, you gotta be you gotta be present. You gotta post clips. All this shit. You started in that era. I started in like the uh, grunt do feature work in Omaha, Nebraska for eight hours and all this shit. So I fought posting and making clips and all that shit for so fucking long. Pandemic happens, shit shuts down, we can't get on stage. I'm like, okay, I'm completely pivoting. Because not just like I want to be relevant, but I needed a creative outlet. Yeah. So what were you, were you still working um, at that particular moment at, at a side job? Or what were you doing during that pandemic? Because I know you got let go. Nothing. From, we, uh, I got let go from Nikki's show because the show folded. And Models. Uh, well, Models, I, yeah, was right before. Yeah. And then I was just on an unemployment for like most of the pandemic. And then, I mean, it was I feel so like a fucking lot of, great. Yeah, a lot of comics were. God, yeah, I, it listen, was fresh for a moment. Yeah, it was great. So <laughs> it was honestly like fucking goddamn unemployment was so awesome. Uh, There's a lot of comics in New York City making way more money on unemployment than they ever made in comedy. And yeah. So I, I started like making... Uh, just little videos like in my uh, in my apartment with like my kid, my wife, just making like dumb little sketches because I was just like I needed something creative to do. I was stir crazy. I had a six month year old at home and it was like fucking hard. And I'm like, I need something years prior. 
like uh, I had pitched a show to Nickelodeon, um, like maybe four, uh, eight years ago now, and I always kept in touch with like the the uh, creative exec, and you know we follow each other on social media. I started making all of these sketches. My brother, who's also a comic, makes a lot of sketches on his Instagram. The exec reaches out to us. Um, and I had, at that, when I started the pandemic, I had 1,200 followers on Instagram. Now I, I think I'm at like 30,000, which is like in the grand scheme of things, not a lot, but like definitely more than 1,200. So I started gaining followers and this creative exec reaches out to my brother and I, and they're like, hey, do you want to make a show for Nickelodeon? And we are like, what do you think? of course, I don't know if I can make the show. So they... They bring us in. They're doing like a premium blend type sketch show where they have a bunch of people making sketches and then they weave them in and out to like a show. So it was me, my brother. Cartoon or? Uh, it, if you wanted, like whatever you wanted. Like if you wanted live action, if you wanted it to be cartoon, like wh- they were literally just like, here's money. Make whatever you want. And I was like, you know, I'm like a 36 year old dad, right? Like what am I going to make for Nickelodeon and they're like we want you make whatever you want fucking great and um, they're like we're, you can direct them all you can write them all you can cast it you can do the whole thing here's a blank check fine so we we make these sketches we make like 15 sketches it's my brother me um, you know John Milheiser he was on SNL and a bunch of other like creators and we make uh, each of us makes like 15 or 20 sketches it premieres um, last year, February, 2022. By the way, how do people consume Nickelodeon nowadays? So I'll get there. Hold on. Hold that question. So it premieres February, 2022 and it ends, uh, February, 2022. We aired two episodes and then they canceled it. <laughs> so, uh, people didn't consume it. Well, was uh, it because of Nickelodeon though? A no, bit? I, I, yeah. I mean, Listen, Viacom is a very, it's a huge company, but Dan Schneider. Yeah. They just, they didn't know what to do with the show. Okay. It's sketches. If you, if I were the exec, I would have exclusively put them out on social media, YouTube, maybe YouTube where two minute content can live when you put, you know, they were putting, they premiered the show in between episodes of other shows on Nickelodeon. So no one could even fucking search it. So it was just like destined to, fa- I mean, we got paid. It was great. Yeah. I have the shit on my directing reel. It was all awesome, but you know, no one can see it now. Do you, don't you find that things are becoming more independent? Yeah. I mean, look at what like, you know, Shane Gillis is doing. Like he basically made his own sketch show and premiered it on his own YouTube instead of like doing it for a, a network and made his own thing. I, 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 I don't, we couldn't have made the level of content that we did independently. I mean, it was like a lot of money to produce these things, but like, I'm very proud of what we did. Granted, I'm the only person that can see it, but like, I'm really, or there's two of them online that you could watch. You think we're going to start to see a lot more comics invest in their brand as a, a YouTube situation? Well, the, they're just put out there special. Says the guy wearing the Ted Jones world hat and uh, sweatshirt. Yeah, oh, right. I think oh, I yes. would. Yeah, I would suggest that potentially people are going to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it depends on who you are. If you are the kind of person where you like doing that kind of stuff, um, where you're doing the entire production and you're doing the PR and all that kind of thing, your avenues to succeed are going to be bigger than they used to be. There's also still going to always be a business where people want to, advertisers want to pay people to do it on the traditional 
Comedy Central, Netflix, you know, all that kind of route. They're the good thing is like people are uh, can find you now when they didn't used to be able to. So people are, instead of, we're going to search, um, instead of searching comedy central sketch show, they're going to search Ted Jones sketch show, whether or not it's on comedy central is irrelevant to them because people don't like, I don't watch live TV. I don't really know what anything is on. When I search something, I do the voice thing on my remote and then it takes me to whatever, platform it's on i don't even know what platform like eventually it's this sounds uh stupid and long-winded but when you look at like um what uh tv started with as in general back in the day 150 years ago however long tv has been around it was like three individual channels that weren't associated with each other then those three four channels became 10 12 channels got lumped into like a cable package okay Streaming started almost identical to what uh, what original TV like started. TNT, TBS. Like Netflix, Amazon, all this shit was Ooh. like their own individual thing. Now they're starting to bundle and those things will get combined into a fucking cable package. Like look at who you can get Hulu, Disney Plus and ESPN all in the same package, all that kind of stuff. Now... People like us, we're doing our own thing. Eventually, that shit will get bundled. Like, it's a cyclical thing what's happening. We are just now on the precipice of, like, everyone now doing their own thing. And then eventually those things will get bundled and then we'll find a new fucking thing. How do you think your daughter is going to consume content when she's in high school? Probably the Neuralink that... uh, Oh, shit. Like YouTube Neuralink? Yeah. Ted Uh, Jones World. I'm absolutely terrified for my daughter and the generation relative to technology. Is there anything specific? Well, I guess you said the Neuralink, but no, I mean like my daughter is, I'm obsessed with my phone. My daughter's obsessed with the phone. She's three and a half. Uh, She's got, yeah, uh, we're cheap. So we have the Amazon fire. Um, I'm not going to get her a fucking iPad. She's broken (laughs) like six of them already. Amazon fire. If you want to sponsor Amazon fire. Yeah. Yeah, Sponsor Ari. Yeah. No sponsor your podcast. Yeah, yeah, dude. Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you guys are also watching on Spotify, you see Ari's beautiful face. Yes, we have video on Spotify. So if you guys are listening on Apple, you want to see video on the platform, go over to Spotify or YouTube. I, oh, okay. So sometimes we'll give her our phone and a couple, maybe like a year ago, she's two years old. She's like sending out your dick pics or? No, I've never taken a (laughs) dick pic. I know it's going to surprise you. Never. Dude, I've I've only had sex with like five women. Well, there like, you go. It's not like there's no one wants to see. I sent my. Well, but actually, you've never sent your on, boys. This isn't true. Dick? I my my dick has been sent to my boys, but it was not by me. It was one of my boys <laughs> took a picture of me. Andrew Collin, <laughs> go took fuck a yourself. Of your dick. Oh, Andrew Collin, I fuck know that him. guy. Fuck him. I met he, him at a Hannah's wedding. He's hilarious. Hannah he, Burner. He's yeah. hilarious. He took a picture of my dick over uh, when I was taking a shit. Uh, when we were shooting a fucking commercial that I got him. it. He fucking zoomed in, took a picture of my dick and then sent it to our whole friend group text. Long story. That was like fucking 12 years ago. Um, so my daughter's got my phone and she's like watching something or playing a game on my phone. And I get a text message into the phone and the little notification comes up at the top. And I've never taught her this. I don't know if she's ever seen it. She just goes like this and just swipes it away with her finger She's fucking two. Like she doesn't know what the color violet is, but she knew to just instinctively swipe it away. I'm like, what are they going to be 
capable of. Is she going to be having play dates with her friends that are in Los Angeles for the week, like via 3D modeling? I mean, this is a statistic I think about on a daily basis, okay? It took 66 years from the invention of the airplane in 1903. This I think you can fact check. This I'm pretty sure of. 66 years, invention of the the airplane in 1903 to landing on the moon in 1969. 66 years. That is our fucking parents' age, okay? That's an insane quick amount of fucking time to drastically change in technology. Imagine you couldn't go 10 feet off of the ground. They landed on the moon in 66 years. What are cell phones going to be in 20 years, 60 years? Crazy. Build your own brand on YouTube. Yeah. And build your own brand in general. Yeah, if you want to start a shoe brand um, and you know how to design shoes better than Kanye West, can we stop pretending Kanye West knows how to fucking design shoes? It's ridiculous. If you, if I you, used to like him, bro, before he just fucking started going ham on our people. Well, that's, a, that's another episode. So That's episode 400. If any of your friends, if any of your friends came up to you and they you said, hey, friends? I decided, nice. <laughs> if any of your enemies came up to you and said, hey, I decided, I decided to start designing shoes and they handed you a Yeezy, you'd go, you need to be locked up. This is not a fucking shoe. Yeah. It's crazy. It's not a shoe. All right, this has been a great episode, man. You're Thanks, a freaking man. open book. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. And dude, it took um took about a little bit more than a month to, to get you on here from first message to you. Yeah, we both but got you know, sick. You, you're busy, yeah. you got stuff going. Oh my God, yeah, dude. Epic freaking uh, stomach virus on the day of the Super Bowl. You mentioned you had a pretty significant day on the Super yeah. Bowl too. Sure, so you had diarrhea, I was getting off Vicodin, totally the same thing. Same, well, both our stomachs were fucked up. Definitely. Okay, Ari, where can we find you, man? What you got coming up? This is going to be dropping on Monday. Okay, they call me Ari on all platforms. Ari spelled A-H-R-I. I've got a podcast uh, called uh, Never Not Tired about like parenting and uh, shit like that with Beautiful. Casey Balsham, very funny comedian. Love Casey. She did the third annual Ted Jones World Vegan Hot dog eating contest <laughs> and the fourth annual you guys uh stay tuned we're getting uh the can i set. i know you're wrapping up but can i can i pay you a compliment please i mean i know you're gonna say yes to that but like when i went because this is not the first time we met you and i have met before we met at the stand at one of your shows like maybe a year or something ago okay and when we first met i was like this guy is he's so intense and he's got a lot going on and i was just like yeah. And then I like looked you up after and I was just like, you're just like not waiting for like anyone to say anything to you. And you're just like completely doing your own thing. And it's incredibly inspiring because you're just like going out, you're shooting men on the street shit. You're starting a podcast. You got fucking merch. You're just like, you're, you have like a, a nine businesses. Like I would love to see how many LLCs you've created of just like dumb companies you've invented. Like <laughs> when you're stoned, I'm sure I guarantee you there's like some company you were like, Oh, I'm going to invent fucking mints that tastes like coffee. <laughs> But like you just seem to just like, oh, if I have a deal, you just like go after it and chase it. Part of that is probably like you're an insane person, as are we all. But some people like squash that shit where you're like, I can't do this. Like it's too much work. And you're just like, fuck it. I'll figure it out. So I do. It is quite inspiring. 
You got it. All right. Love that, bro. For real. That really means a lot, man. Yeah. And yeah. thank you for showing up early today. But, bro, before we get out of here, pop up your Instagram so we can uh, know where to follow you. They call me Ari on all platforms, A-H-R-I, and my podcast, Never Not Tired with Guys, Casey Balsham. we'll get Ari on uh, Ted Jones Comedy Show very soon. We'll figure out uh, what date you're free. And, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. This was quite the episode. So follow this guy. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.